Welcome to Need to Know Nutrition, the podcast that knows you like chocolate and supports you eating it because we know that health is all about balance. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of introducing to you Sarah Appleford, a clinical nutritionist who is on a mission to support the health of our children. Sarah is a mum and completely understands how overwhelming and challenging raising healthy little eaters can be. In today's episode, Sarah dives into the world of babies and feeding them solids. Now, just like every area of the nutrition and health world, there is so much, almost too much information out there when it comes to babies and solids. Well, fear not. Sarah is an absolute powerhouse of knowledge and is here to give you great advice and her professional, researched, tried and tested opinion when it comes to health and the happiness of your baby. Sarah's mission is to inspire children to lead happy and healthy lives. In doing this, she also provides parents with the tools and knowledge they need to raise healthy little eaters. If you're a new parent or thinking about becoming a parent or are a parent already, grab yourself a pen and paper and jot down all of this tasty information. Sarah, thank you for spending time with us today on Need to Know Nutrition. It's so wonderful to have you here. Thanks so much for inviting me on to talk to your listeners. I'm really excited to have a chat. Now, I'm also really excited because today we're talking all things babies and solids. Now, it's such a great topic and one that most of us have been through, are currently going through, or perhaps are going to experience in the future. But before we dive into all of those delicious details, I was hoping you could give us a brief rundown of your background. Yeah, sure. So um, we actually studied together at Endeavour in Melbourne, which was really uh, exciting. But um, I actually didn't dive into the health industry from the outset. I went into the design industry. I I studied interior design um, and was working in that industry before I decided to switch careers. Um, You know, I was a really healthy child until a teenager and I became really chronically sick with things like tonsillitis and glandular fever. I also became overweight and I lost connection really with my body, with food, um, with exercise. And it wasn't until I guess in my 20s that I started to take a bit of control and, you know, turn that side of my life around. Um, And then I was working in the design industry and I was thinking about getting pregnant actually. And I also was thinking I'd really like to pursue my interest in uh, nutrition. And so I decided to take on a degree while I was um, just found out I was pregnant. So great timing. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, yes, finished the degree at Endeavour. It took a long time because I did mostly part-time while working or travelling and, of course, having a baby. Um, And then moved to Geelong where I'm now based and began my career there. So that's kind of in a nutshell what led me to be a nutritionist. Oh, I love it. You go, girl, too. Being pregnant, studying, working, it's full on, isn't it? So full on. Like I actually didn't think when I took on the degree that it was going to be as intense and stressful and hard as it was. But of course, it was super enjoyable at the same time. So um, it was a long road, but I was very glad to be finished. I can tell you that. Now, what made you want to specialize in children's health? Yeah, so I guess 
um, with the health of Aussie kids, like it's pretty bleak at the moment. You know, one in four kids are either overweight or deemed obese. Um, we've got type 2 diabetes, which was it was an adult-only disease not that long ago, and now kids as young as 8, 10 are getting diagnosed with it. Um, you know, kids are more sedentary now than ever before. We've lost that connection with food. You know, food comes from a supermarket for kids. Um, everything to, in terms of food marketing, products, it's all packaged food. Um, and I guess my own experience is being really healthy until a teenager when I had my own independence with what I was eating and what I was buying in terms of food. I kind of really wanted to help kids get the best start nutritionally um, and, you know, educate them. That's kind of the backbone of everything. You know, as a kid, I, I was eating beautifully grown and healthy food but I had no idea why um, or the importance. And then also we're seeing more things like allergies and intolerances and gut problems and things like eczema, behavioural issues, all these things happening. And if we only started looking at what we put in our children's mouths from the get-go, you know, this could change the whole, um, I guess, path of what kids overall health is at the moment so I knew from the beginning of studying that kids was going to be my focus I do also treat adults um, and lots of mums actually um, but kids is definitely my passion now today we're going to be honing in on babies and solids and one that I'm sure a lot of mothers and carers will really appreciate today so let's take it from the top how do you know if your baby is ready for solids Yes, so there's lots of confusion about this um, yes. and one, it's a really daunting but exciting time as a parent. You know, it's kind of that big milestone, first milestone you get to explore um, and food manufacturers have also made it really kind of a confusing time because you'll see in the supermarket, you'll see some food from four months, some from six, you know, um, it does vary, but the recommendation is that six-month mark, give or take a few weeks, depending on your child's development. And there's some kind of key things to think about when you're assessing whether your child's ready for solids. So firstly, being that, you know, are they interested? Are they watching you eat? Are they mimicking things that you're doing? Are they maybe putting toys in their mouths, you know, exploring a lot more with them, their hand to mouth? Um, but also from a physical point of view, you know, are they uh, sitting up with limited support? You know, do they have that neck and torso control? We need that to make sure that the airways are going to be open and there's not going to be, I guess, problems in terms of that choking. And also the loss of that um, gag reflex. So, you know, if you put something in your baby's mouth at a young age, their tongue's going to push it out and in order to start solids you really need them to have lost that um, gag reflex so they're kind of the key things now I kind of explained to parents that there's risks of either starting too early or delaying solids so you know in terms of starting too early like following the food manufacturer's advice of going at that four month mark you know their organs are really immature so 
we can see things like leaky gut. You know, you've obviously talked about it to your listeners before, um, about that gut being kind of a sieve and, um, you know, part food particles, pathogens, toxins all leaking in. But also their kidneys are immature. So when we have things like increased minerals from the food, you know, those kidneys are going to have to be working really hard to try and process that. Whereas breast milk is that beautiful natural formula composition that, you know, accounts for the fact that their organs are immature. Now, we know that research shows when you are jumping in too early with solids that there's increased risk of uh, respiratory infections, um, also gastrointestinal infections, so things in the gut, and also obesity. So, um, you know, there's a few things to consider if you're a bit too excited and want to jump in early. And also the fact that, you know, it does mean that maybe you're going to reduce your breast milk um, or formula uh, intake for your baby a little bit too early. Now, this is going to be, this is the backbone, the fundamental backbone of your child's diet until they're at least one. So, you know, we miss out on that. On the flip side, if you're delaying it, um, you know, babies um, only are born with a certain amount of zinc and iron stores and breast milk will provide a little bit. Um, but we need to then start, you know, in increasing those um, stores so that we don't see a deficiency. And then also with the allergies, we have now what's called a tolerance window of um, when we should be giving those allergenic, high allergenic foods. And so if we delay solids, we're not going to have enough time to get those in and the breast milk isn't going to be able to provide that immune support that we need. So, yeah, in, um, to summarise, I guess that question is around the six-month mark, give or take, if your baby is showing all the right signs. Amazing. If that was me and I didn't know, I'd be pausing this right now, running to grab a pen paper, sitting back down and jotting all of that down, Sarah. That is such great information. Now, what foods are the best beginner foods and how should these foods be prepared? I feel like this one's, again, can be really confusing. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I guess, a few ways you can go about it. You know, um, originally most people went for those puree foods, um, you know, the fruit or vegetables in that really smooth, easy to um, process kind of consistency. But in the last few years, we've seen this rise of baby led weaning uh, where the child is, you know, taking some age appropriate size pieces of food and they're putting it in their mouths directly rather than being spoon fed. Uh, my personal opinion is I like a mix of both. Um, because one, you know, baby led weaning is great because it, it targets all the senses. The kids can touch the food. Um, you know, they're also working on their um, motor skills, you know, bringing it up to their mouths, all those sorts of things. It's quite interactive and explorative. Um, so, but it, it's really down to what works for you. There's no right or wrong, wrong in that regard. Now, again, the type of foods really kind of depend on the family's diet and the parents as an individual. Um, but, you know, you want to try and start them off with uh, vegetables, some fruits, some healthy fats, like things like avocado, um, and also some um, protein. Now, I like to kind of reserve those grains, things like rice and buckwheat or quinoa, until about that eight-month mark. 
um, just so that we can give their digestive system a bit more time to mature. But the key is really small amounts. Remember, little babies, they're just they're still so immature in, in terms of all their systems. So we don't want to overwhelm. Um, up until, you know, 12 months, breast milk or formula is their main source of nutrition. So you're just introducing, playing around. So just small amounts. And the other thing, I guess, with the type of foods, it really kind of depends what your um, baby's health history is like. You know, if they've had a rough start and they've got some issues maybe with digestion or maybe things like eczema, for example, born with eczema, you might want to try a more tailored approach, you know, something like the GAPS by Dr. Natasha McBride, Campbell McBride, um, you know, where she moves it very progressively from, say, some um, bone broth to um, uh, freshly pressed vegetable juice to vegetables cooked in fat and then going on to meats eggs etc it kind of is a long process but it really comes down to the individual just like it does with us as adults and what our diets like what foods should be avoided at what times okay so we want to try and stick with whole foods like no process no fried foods Um, foods that don't have we don't want sodium added any sugars those sorts of things the other probably contentious one is rice cereals now these are promoted as the baby's first food Um, I'm not a fan Uh, there's a few (laughs) you know yeah no good good. (laughs) so you know rice cereal is um they market it as easy to, to digest, but it can be really irritating for an immature gut. Um, also, it's highly processed, you know, it's, and it's nutritionally void. There's nothing good in that, that stuff. Plus, I reckon it tastes pretty crap, yeah. to be honest. Like, I know. I did have a taste as well. Oh, <laughs> Why are we introducing food, like our beautiful food, and to a baby and we're starting with rice cereal? Um, so now probably the big marketing ploy of rice cereal is that it's fortified with iron. Remember, iron is one of those stores that we need to um, keep replenishing in order to uh, avoid deficiencies. But, you know, it's, a, it's not a natural form of iron. Um, so there's much more bioavailable or you know, easy for us to absorb um, iron-rich foods in the diet. So if you've got rice cereal there in the cupboard and you're ready to start solids, toss it out. Like, let's just go back to um, real food. The other, the other sort of foods to think about is cow's milk is not recommended until um, over 12 months. And this, again, is because it can be um, irritating on the gut. It also can cause things like constipation, which is probably the number one thing I see with infants. Um, And it can um, compete with other nutrients that are in those natural whole foods that you're going to be feeding your baby. And finally, probably juices, store-bought juices. If you're going to freshly squeeze, press your orange juice, that's okay and used immediately. But store-bought juices are going to give those kidneys a lot of strain. Um, and we're just, they're just simply, babies are simply, you know, too immature. They don't have the stomach acid that we, they need to break those foods. Um, so I guess it's kind of, when we talk about first foods, it's more about getting the balance right. You know, you don't want to have foods that are too high in minerals that are going to, um, 
you know, put too much strain. You don't want to have too many bowel-slowing uh, foods, you know, to give those babies that constipation where they're screwing up their face and pushing out little pellets, the poor things. So things like <laughs> meat, bananas, rice cereal. Um, and you want to make sure there's enough of those bowel-moving foods. So things like some fruit, um, beetroot, seeds, those sorts of things are going to help keep our systems going or the baby's systems going and, um, you know, not put them under too much strain. How often should parents feed their babies solids in the beginning? Again, I feel like this one can be a little confusing as well because maybe parents get a bit overexcited and want to go for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably the most common thing I see. And when I'm seeing infants in the clinic, it's pretty much a lot of the times it's because of that constipation and maybe the parents have been a bit too eager, which is fine. It's all we can resolve it. It's not, um, you know, you're not having to go back all the way to the beginning, but the key is to think about that breast milk or formula, if you're using, is the main food until about at least one years old, maybe even to 18, 20 months. That's got to be the backbone. And we need to start um, slow. So I always also advise when um, mums are starting with solids to breastfeed first. Um, this is because, you know, when, when you're hungry, think of us as adults, when you're hungry, your concentration is not really at its best. Um, you know, we may even be a little bit stressed. Our bodies put into stress when we're hungry. Um, so we want to be able to um, get our babies in a really comfortable um, state and not be hungry. They just want to be, you know, relaxed and ready to enjoy something new because remember it's a totally new learning curve like it is walking or crawling the other thing with breast milk we know that it has those beautiful immune comp compounds you know to protect and build our baby's immune system and there's some research to say that if we feed our baby with the breast milk um, we may be able to help build that tolerance against those allergenic foods so, and it will depend on your baby, but maybe um, between that 10 and 11 months, you can start sort of building it up and switching as uh, food becoming equal to breast milk or formula or just a little bit more. Um, but keep that morning breastfeed for as long as possible, in my opinion. Now, let's talk about food allergies what is the best way to test for these when feeding babies solids? Again, this one's probably a little bit anxiety inducing. Do you, do you find? Oh, super. Like, you know, there's parents that sit outside the emergency department ready to feed their child their first bit of peanut butter, for example. Like it's really stressful. And I don't know about you, but when I had my son, so he's eight, you know, there was a little bit about allergies and awareness and um, you know, we knew what sort of foods were the high allergenic foods, but it wasn't as stress-driven as it is now. And so, you know, I was pretty loose, I guess, if you can say, <laughs> with my feeding and wasn't quite, I didn't really have any anxiety behind it, but parents nowadays do. Like, it's a huge stress. And I guess also if you've got another child that has an allergy um, or maybe some um, family members that do obviously this is heightened so we've got the top allergenic foods the eggs peanuts cow's milk tree nuts soy sesame wheat fish and other seafood um, so those sorts of um, foods are the ones that we know 
can cause those reactions, particularly those anaphylaxis type reactions. So the recommendation at the moment is that we want to slowly introduce all those foods within that 12-month window, so before they turn one. Um, and you want to introduce one allergen at a time and choose it in its least allergenic form. So, for example, eggs, we know that when they're baked, they're more tolerable than if they're um, raw or they're just cooked you know, on the stovetop. Um, and we also know that the egg yolk is less allergenic than the egg white. So if we can sort of start to, I guess, strip back the food a little bit and make it as tolerable as possible, and you're only going to be providing a small amount at a time, right? And away from any other new foods. Um, so that's kind of how I would do it. You can do a sensitive test. So you, sensitivity test. So you could put a little bit on the baby's uh, wrist. Um, so if you're using puree, you could just drop a dot on there um, and you could leave it there for a period of time and see if there's any reaction. Um, or you can just, you know, put it up towards their lips. Um, so there's a few different, uh, different methods. I guess my main things to remember is you know, make sure your child is really well so they don't have any infections, no runny nose, no um, things like any gastro. Um, don't try it when they've had their vaccinations. You want to keep that away so that um, the immune response is back down to its normal level. And you don't want them to have things like a fever. So you want to make sure that they're all healthy and well before you try something. And if you do have a history of allergies in your family, maybe a sibling or a parent, I would recommend speaking to your health professional, like a trusted health professional before you go down the path of introducing solids. They may recommend, you know, supporting your child with, say, probiotics beforehand or, you know, uh, look at doing a little bit of gut work in, with food before you start on particular foods like your eggs or peanuts, for example. I, I feel like there's been definitely a rise maybe in the last, oh, I don't even know, five, 10 years with people really wanting to restrict and label the way that they eat. So perhaps like, you know, being vegan, vegetarian, keto, paleo, all of those things. My question to you is, is it safe for babies to eat a diet? So let's say something like vegetarian or vegan. Yeah. So this, as you say, has become sort of something that's yeah, in the last five years, more um, common that we're seeing whole families switch to these uh, restrictive um, dietary plans. Um, is it safe? Well, for a vegetarian or vegan baby, yes, it is. But it does mean that you have to be incredibly conscious of the balance of the meals. Um, and also you have to prepare ingredients a little bit um, more than maybe you would if you were just feeding them an all-round you know, diet of animal products plus vegetables and fruits, etc. So things like you know, your legumes, which is going to be a big protein source for a baby, they have to be soaked and sprouted um, just to uh, reduce those phytates so it doesn't compete with the iron. So um, you know, we need to kind of educate around preparation of foods. The other thing is that I find with vegetarian and vegan kids in particular is that they rely on carbohydrates. So, um, you know, this is a big one with babies with that 
as I said, that immature gut, do we have the digestive system working optimally and mature enough to process a lot of those carbohydrates? So, and I'm not talking about the carbohydrates in a sweet potato. I'm talking about the grains, like, you know, things like uh, brown rice or buckwheat, quinoa, which all have a place in my opinion, in a healthy diet, unless you have issues with digesting them. But for a baby, it's really, we really have to be conscious about when we start to introduce those. Um, so if you are considering to have a baby that is uh, vegetarian or vegan, um, the key things is you need to really track their growth and development and ensure that they're not getting infections often. So if your child is getting a cold, like your baby is getting a cold, gastrointestinal infections often you really need to have a look at their diet um, and if you're breastfeeding you really need to consider yours you know are you getting enough b vitamins are you getting enough vitamin d and fats and calcium in your diet that's going to um, flow through to your baby so yes it is safe but you do just need to be a little bit more conscious of the nutrients and how you prepare the food what are your thoughts on baby food purchased from the supermarket, Sarah, versus perhaps baby food that's homemade? Yeah, so I think that there might be a place for both. Um, you know, mums are incredibly busy and our lives are incredibly busy now. And so, um, you know, sometimes you just have to go and buy something off the supermarket shelf and that's okay. Like there's a lot of guilt around this and I hate that. I don't think that that's productive at all. Um, should the supermarket food be um, the predominant feature in your child's diet? I'd probably say no. Like homemade food can be incredibly easy to make and it's also really cost effective. Um, you know, and there's pros, you know, you can easily keep track on the foods you're introducing. Um, you can make it with natural, nutritious, seasonal produce. So, you know, using um, vegetables and fruits that are growing within the season, we know that they have higher vitamins and minerals. Um, and it also allows you to grade those textures. If you're starting at purees, you can grade it to the pace of your child, not the pace of the food manufacturer, right? And with the supermarket foods, as I said, they are convenient and there are some good products out there. You do need to look at the labels. Um, as with any packaged food, you really need to be reading the labels, but you can find some good foods out there. As I mentioned before, don't be fooled by the four months, suitable for four months old labelling. Um, keep an eye on the amount of fruit in some of these, even the savoury things. Um, you know, a lot of them are sweet driven. So, you know, you want to have an, a nice balance and then consider about that fortified um, nutrient. You know, it's, it's nothing's better than the real thing, right? So if you can stick with an all natural using whole foods as a baby supermarket baby product, perfect. But uh, you know, if they do have a place, don't feel guilty if you need to go down the supermarket aisle and find something. It, it is what it is. But if you can make homemade, it's great. But what should parents do if their babies don't want to eat solids? This is actually not so uncommon. Um, I see lots of parents calling and saying, 
hey, my the babies in my mum's group are all progressing and mine's just not interested at all. And, um, you know, that's okay. Some babies need more time with breast milk or formula. So you just remember, please don't neglect that. That's their body requiring those nutrients. They're easy to digest. They're in their most usable form. But I also think you need to try some different methods. Maybe you've been doing the aeroplane um, spoon towards the baby and he or she is just not having it. Like it's just not interested. So maybe try baby lab weaning. Make sure you're doing things like eating in front of them regularly. Like make them um, watch you watch you explore food. Put them on the bench top if you can in a bouncer or, a, or a, some sort of capsule so that they can see you preparing the food, they're smelling it, they're all around also try in the morning that's when babies are most alert actually we're all pretty much most alert at that time Um, so try in the morning after they've had that breastfeed or formula and just like if it's happening for a long period of time first of all consider whether they're sick you know is there something else going on are they teething are they stressed Um, and then I would speak to your health professional if you're sort of getting to eight months and there's still very little interest you kind of want to maybe try and get on top of that remember about that tolerance window for those allergenic foods so we want to try and um, make sure that everything in terms of their physical development and emotional development is on track and ready for those solids so going back to perhaps a baby who is very interested in having their solids how do carers know when it's time to advance to more solid foods so as opposed to let's say puree or fork mashed foods yeah um so the first thing is that increased oral awareness so are they moving their jaw up and down in those munching movements are they um, kind of opening and closing their lips um, more frequently and having sort of more control over that. The other thing is you can see how their tongue's moving. You know, remember, as I said, with babies, they push their tongue in and out, but as they get older, they can move it from side to side. And whether, you know, if you're putting pureed or um, mashed food in their mouth, are they kind of being able to keep it in their mouth and maybe doing those munching jaw movements before they swallow? So babies are more kind of having that drinking mechanism, you know, that let's just down it. Whereas you want, um, as the infant grows, you want them to be able to, you know, they're going to have to chew and make those mouth movements in order for it to safely go down. So they're kind of the, the main things. But I would also, you know, start just playing around. If you are doing puree and fork mash, play around with doing some finger food that they can, have some sort of control over and you'll see whether they're developmentally ready or not. And when should water be introduced and how much water should babies be having? Okay, so the recommendation is that water can be introduced when they're starting solids, Um, but you don't want them to fill up on the water, right? So, um, you know, just small um, sips. And we also don't really want to introduce it around the same time they're eating because that's going to dilute those nutrients. Now, the exact amount is kind of, there's not really any major guidelines, um, but we do know that from about six months, you're wanting to use boiled water. um, And from about 12 months onwards, you can just use the fresh water from the tap. 
Okay, Seth. Now, what are your top three nutrition tips for all of our carers out there when it comes to solids? Okay, so first of all, breast milk is the main food. This is the nutritional backbone until your child is about 18 months and don't feel the pressure to rush it. Um, You can also utilise that breast milk in their food. Like if your child has maybe switched to formula on their own accord or maybe they're rejecting the breast and they want it out of the bottle and you're pumping a lot, utilise that and put it in their puree or whatever foods you're making, their yoghurt, you can put it all in. So make sure you utilise that. The other thing is to think about quality, not quantity. Remember I said about small amounts, but really good quality food. If you can go organic, awesome. If you can't, think grass-fed for meats, um, think seasonal produce and make sure you're preparing them optimally. And the last one is getting that balance right, you know, not too many of those constipating foods and, uh, you know, that beautiful balance between the bowel-moving foods and the bowel-slowing foods. They're kind of my three tips. Okay, well, what are your top three tips for carers who are worried about feeding their baby solids? Yeah, okay, so my first tip would be is to trust your baby's ability to self-regulate and to know how much they they need. Babies and even children have this great ability to know when they're full. We lose that ability as adults, right? And we tend to overeat. Yes. yes. Uh, so, you know, if your child, if your baby has stopped after two mouthfuls, don't keep forcing it. Just let it be. That's enough. The second point is about allergies. You know, if it's present in the family or if there's already allergenic presentations, you know, maybe um, seasonal presentations or eczema, those sorts of things, get professional advice before you do solids. And the third one, which I think we sometimes overlook, but go and get baby first aid. Like this is really super important. Um, You know, we have a lot of fear around the allergic reactions and if your child's going to have anaphylaxis. So get educated on what to do if that's the case and what sort of symptoms. And the other thing is choking is probably the other big concern for parents. You know, learn the difference between choking and gagging and what you should be doing if your baby does choke. Um, So baby first aid, you can even do it online. There's some great courses online. Um, So I, I would definitely, if you're, actually every parent should do it, but if you're particularly worried about um, moving into solids, do it. It's, it's just a really easy, simple thing to do. Absolutely wonderful advice. All right, Sarah, just to wrap this up, what is your best piece of advice when it comes to babies and solids? Yeah, so don't worry about what your mums in your mother's group are doing. Like focus on where your child is at and then really kind of enjoy the process. Like we can make it a little bit more scary than it actually should be. Um, I also think don't be swayed by food manufacturers. They're after, you know, they're a money-making scheme. They're looking for the big buck. They're not really interested in the health and well-being of your baby at the end of the day. And just make sure you focus on whole foods, um, age-appropriate foods in their well-prepared forms. And, you know, as I said, enjoy the experience. This is a great milestone for your baby. But if you do have concerns, just go and speak to a health professional. You know, get go and speak to them based on your particular baby, not on a population or on what your baby should be doing at that age. Um, so they're kind of, I guess that's my biggest advice when it comes to solids. 
Oh, Sarah, thank you so much for such an informative interview. I can already hear many mothers, fathers and carers out there breathing a sigh of relief now that they know all of this great information. Now, if you want to follow Sarah on social media, you can find her at Nutrition for Kids AU. Or if you want to jump online, the website is nutritionforkids.com.au. Or if you want to contact Sarah by email, it's hello at nutritionforkids.com.au. All of her contact details will be in the podcast tab of this episode. Thanks again, Sarah. This has been great. Thanks so much for having me. And I hope your listeners found that beneficial. If they have any questions, make sure they send through an email or touch base with me on social. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Thanks for joining me today and learning all the things you need to know about nutrition and your body. If you want to learn more about today's topic or have a question you'd like answered, please jump onto my website, thetravellingnutritionistaustralia.com and find the podcast tab. All the references are also available should you wish to dive a little deeper. Remember, it's not the things that you eat and do occasionally that matter. It's the things that you eat and do every day that really count. Until next time, always choose the good stuff because you and your health are worth it.